Hello, y'all. Welcome to Jackalope Tales, Urban Legends and Music, where we uncover, is it real or is it a jackalope tale? I'm your host, Charles Mooney. And I'm Lisa Umbarger. And with us today are our production crew, Jenny. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Natalie. Hello. And on the board, a guy who likes to watch the ball drop, (laughs) Sam. I love watching balls. (laughs) 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 <laughs> I can see why you laughed at that one. Oh, so, damn. As we start a new year, most folks... <laughs> God dang it. <laughs> All right. Oh, you're going out with a bang. I know, totally. Oh. All right. As we start a new year, most folks are making resolutions and thinking of ways to change themselves and be better. Or you can be like me and continually drag your old self into the next year. <laughs> Look for ways to get worse. Right. Yeah. Like over and over, the same meme, dragging it in. So welcome 2024. Let's go. Yeah. Yep. And we're calling this one New Year. New You. Exactly. And we're uh, going to look at some artists who made some huge transformations yeah in their careers oh yeah Um, for some reason they wanted to change yep so we're going to talk about the dixie chicks and dd ramon dd i know oh man but when we were talking about this episode we were looking at musicians who have continually transformed themselves in their careers yeah um, yeah. from record to record but they haven't lost the essence of what they're doing. No, it's like you respect them for what they do just because they're staying within the parameters of what they've set for themselves. Right. Because I know sometimes you can really alienate a lot of fans when you change your style. Right, because there's bands like Fleetwood Mac who added Stevie and Lindsay, and they totally changed their sound. Yeah. They kept the same name, but they became a totally different band. And then there's the folks like King Gizzard, Oh, my God. King Gizzard and the Wizard Lizard? Yes. And, Holy And David crap. Bowie, bands like that. But King Gizzard, we've been doing some of their- The some, reaction yes, videos. Yes, reaction. And people are sending us- Yes, um, check it out on YouTube. We do reaction videos. Yeah. Jackalope Tales reacts. And one of yeah. the things we, we mention is every single song sounds different, but you can tell what band it is. And what about it, too, is that they're- Fucking good at that different genre, right? Or style. They yeah. the songs are crafted well, the instruments are played really well. Good, and they have God. a sense of humor about it. Then they're not taking themselves too seriously, yeah, and that's great. But the music they're very serious about, and the the way that they freaking handle their the melodies, yeah, and their instruments, it's beautiful. Yeah, and I know another person you brought up when we were talking about it is David Bowie. Absolutely. I mean, my God, how many personas did he have through his career? You had to respect every one of them because, I mean, it was just such a musical skill that he had. He was like a shapeshifter. Oh, so, very well he just, put. Like, transformed himself. For generations, it's so incredible. Like the David Bowie that I saw in the 80s mm-hmm. looks nothing like the David Bowie that my parents saw in the 60s. Right. But it's still David Bowie. He did not lose him the essence of David Bowie all through the changes. No. It was just so mysterious what he would come out with for each album. Right. Oh, my God. I mean, working with Brian Eno for some, where they just did like one side of the album is just instrumental. Right. What the hell? Yeah. But it works so good. And his last album, 
I remember I was at work when it came out, mm-hmm. and it was just, I don't know, David uh, Bowie's... Black Star, yeah. Yes, David Bowie's death hit me kind of hard, yeah. and everyone knew it was coming, but I remember sitting listening to that album on mm-hmm. headphones and crying, uh. just like a little tear, like, because it was just so beautiful the way he was... Pro- I felt like he was processing his yeah. own death. Oh, yeah, to know that he was ailing and sick. Yeah. When he recorded it. Yeah. And you so, wouldn't have known from the performance. And he went out with this beautiful album oh. that totally just captured every freaking thing that he yeah. that he does. God. Did you ever see him live? No, I never did. Did you? Yeah. I oh, saw him wow. With, when he toured with Nine Inch Nails. Oh, yes. Fuck. Holy shit. It was insane. It oh. was so good. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was great. What a tour. And I think they performed together on stage, didn't they? Oh, yeah, they did. They did. And I felt like Trent Reznor gave David Bowie the respect that he was due. Yeah. Which I thought was really nice because at the time, Nine Inch Nails were huge. But there was definitely a tip of the hat, Trent Reznor, you know. Oh, that is cool. It was pretty cool seeing their interaction on stage because you could see the reverence. See, you've got these... uh, King Gizzard and David Bowie, their transitions went really well. And the one I'm going to talk about didn't go well. Let's hear it. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. D.D. Ramone, bass player. I think you were with me when we saw the Ramones at the Arcadia. Yeah. Oh, what an experience. It's, if you're punk, it's almost like a uh, requirement that you see the Ramones. You have to. It's a rite of you passage. You had to have seen them at one point. And luckily, I got to see all the original members. Yeah, yeah same. With yeah. that one. So Dee Dee was luckily with them. Can I cut in here for a second? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, y'all used to work at the Sound Warehouse on Camp Bowie. Yes. And um, the Ramones were in town playing a show right around the time they released, not Psychedelic Jungle. Was that the name of the album? There was one on Jungle one. I have a picture of me somewhere standing with Dee Dee Ramone and another picture of me with Joey. Mm-mm. At Sound Warehouse? Yes, at Sound Warehouse what? on Camp Bowie. I will dig this up for you. Oh, hell. What the hell? That goes back before we were there. This was, I guess, 83? That was right before we started working there. It was. I'll drag this out. Yeah, Man. it's you will. Subterranean Jungle? Subterranean yes, Jungle, that's, that's it. it. That's oh, it. Yes. Shit. I love that album. Were they doing a signing? Uh-huh. Shit. How did we miss that? No, Was it past our bedtime? <laughs> it was a school night. Maybe we were away on a volleyball tournament. <laughs> you must have been. Man. After school detention. Damn. I was not cool while I was in high school. Yeah. I <laughs> doubt that. I, no. I was a nerd. Oh, yeah. I was a nerd, too. I was, I was not cool. Yeah. I like the trade-off. We were nerds in high school. Now we're much better off. Totally. I left high school and was like, fuck this, deuces, bitches, and like became a total punker. <laughs> Great way to promote it. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, you've got for the band, the Ramones, Joey was the voice, Johnny was the sound, and sadly, Dee Dee was kind of the tragic, self-loathing soul. He had Every issues. bass player in every band. <laughs> no shit. What's up with that? I don't fucking care. <laughs> <laughs> but it seemed like uh, all throughout the Ramones' existence, every punk wanted to be a Ramone. Yeah. Except for Dee Dee. What? 
I know. He had written so many songs for the Ramones. He had written about heroin addiction, male prostitution, like 53rd and 3rd, and self-loathing. He was just miserable later on in the band. The Ramones represented to him control and conformity. Even in his memoirs, he depicts the Ramones as an almost fascist organization. What? They say Johnny was really the guitar player, was really strict, and just really wanted things done the Ramones way kind of thing. Of course, a person like Dee Dee, whenever he gets pissed off about something, uh, then he ends up rebelling. He was going through heroin addiction and things like that in this time, which was the later 80s. And he started coming to rehearsals for the Ramones wearing a Kangol hat, thick gold chains and track suits. Like LL Cool J? Yes, because when he was in rehab for his addictions, he was learning about rap music. Okay. He was kind of embracing that and the whole presentation of it, which pissed Johnny and uh, Ramones off because they've got the whole traditional leather and jeans, and there he is in a tracksuit. As a result, he's kind of struggling with all this, and in 1987, he recorded a single called Funky Man. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, the music and the lyrics for the song, there was even a video for it, because I remember seeing it on MTV and thinking, this is Dee Dee Ramone. The lyrics, they were childlike and simple, and just an example. Well, let me tell you about myself. I play the bass in a punk rock band, been to all the world, even to Japan, and nothing can surprise me, man. I've seen it all, had a ball, Someone should make a DD doll. <laughs> yeah. So I remember this video. We had talked about this. This yeah. video looked like they spent 200 bucks. Oh, it's just like they went out on the street in New York, gathered some people together. It looks like some homeless are in the video with him, some punkers. It's horrible. Oh, it The song hurts. is horrible. The video's horrible. It's really bad. Yeah. What's sad is there's that single that didn't even show up on the album he recorded. And the album came out in 1989 and he was under his rap name D.D. King playing on B.B. King. Yeah. The album is considered by many to be one of the biggest failures in history. It's pretty bad. (laughs) It is. It is really terrible. The video for Funky Man is on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, But Dee Dee was paid $25,000 in advance by Warner Brothers Records to record the album. And it was recorded at New York City's Chungking Studios, which at the time had been one of the top recording studios because they had done Beastie Boys, Run DMC, and LL Cool J. Yeah. Well, they talked about how when those artists would come in, they'd come in with all their vinyl collections and just be pulling beats and mixing and sampling. Dee Dee basically came in with a Casio machine drum beat. So the first song on the album was Mashed Potato Time. I remember that. (laughs) And it even had Debbie Harry singing backing vocals on it. It could not be helped. It was like she was trying to just help out the guy. Uh, And then the lyric on that one was... The mashed potato is in the groove. It's going to make your body move, make you snap, crackle, and pop. I am the master of hip-hop. 
No, he was not. <laughs> no. Um, do you remember this record when it came out? Do you remember I'd... we played it at Sound Warehouse? Oh, God, yes. And we all laughed. Oh. We took it off pretty quickly. Yeah. It's, it's one of those albums where you could almost take it as like some movies are, so bad that they're good. Right. But when you think of the circumstance he was in and him really being serious about it, Suddenly, it's like, no, this is not even so bad. It's good. It's just bad. I want to know what A&R guy got fired over this. Oh, because, can you imagine? Man, like going to the mat for the guy and going, you know, he's doing hip hop now. It's really awesome. The kids will love it because they don't understand hip hop is yes. probably what the deal was. But then do they sometimes have it, too, where they're like, well, it's D.D. Ramon. I mean, he's got a following. He must have some idea what he's doing. The Let's Beastie give him Beastie Boys money. are breaking. Maybe he'll be like on the Beastie Boys yeah. coattails. Hey, I found a good comment on um, the Funky Man video on YouTube. Oh, somebody said he quit the Ramones to make this. You can't get more punk rock than that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's actually true. <laughs> it really is. I mean, he talk about a whole different direction. Right. But yeah, it did not do well. I mean, you just hear the songs, watch the video and you'll understand why. Did he mend the fences with the Ramones, though, before Joey passed? There was a time where he had left the Ramones for a while, and then he came back. That's what I thought, too, that they were mending fences and trying to... Yeah, and then he had some side projects, too. He didn't do any more rap albums Thank after God. this one. He went into some punk stuff. I and think that th stuff was better. It really was. It, wasn't, it still wasn't the Ramones. No. But it was better than his venture into hip-hop, oh, for God. sure. Yeah, it was definitely a venture. So, one-way venture and get the hell out of there. <laughs> uh, so, what do you have going on for New Year, New You? Well, I have someone who's more local. Ooh. Well, they're not local now, but most people know the Dixie Chicks started here. Yeah. In Dallas. Right. They've been a lightning rod for controversy for many years. Oh, yeah. Even before all the presidential stuff. Uh-huh. So, before all the hubbub and the burning records, they were a wholesome quartet that played bluegrass music while oh. sporting cowgirl skirts and the fringe shirts and whatnot. They had these little costumes they would wear. Yeah. Very um, North Texas. Definitely. Yeah. Or like a fake, very fake country in North Texas. Yeah, I know. So, I know. There's that whole stigma that everyone thinks Texas has cowboys. Yeah, and, uh, we all wear hats. Ranches. And, yeah, and everyone rides a horse to work. That's only a third of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but their first transformation, they had a lot of transformations. Their first transformation occurred in 1992 okay. when they became a trio. Oh, Okay. And singer-songwriter Robin Macy left the band because they were headed in a different direction than she wanted to go. She wanted to do, like, really rootsy bluegrass stuff. Okay. And they were starting to get poppy country. Oh, then. yeah. And yeah. Uh, she wanted to stay bluegrass. And uh, she later sued the band for an undisclosed amount. It was one of those transitions. Yeah. And the bigger change happened in 1995. And this was shortly after the band was signed to a development deal by Sony Records. Huh. And okay. that's when they dumped their singer, Laura Lynch, for oh. Natalie Maines, oh. who was 15 years younger than. Oh, yeah. Really? Than Lynch. Yeah. I just remember fellow musicians in Dallas were very, very upset about this. Oh. Hey, hey. Guess who was named after, what's her name? Natalie Maines. 
Yeah, guess who was named after Natalie Maines? Natalie on our show? <laughs> yeah. What? Really? My mom said that's where she got the name Natalie. Man. Wow. I didn't realize we had a good celebrity connection yeah. here. Yeah. Man. Awesome. That is cool. Jeannie, do you remember this? The talk on the streets when Natalie Maines replaced uh, Lynch? That was a little before my time. Okay. So it it got rowdy. Jenny remembers. People were mad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because we had seen them perform... Remember that arts festival, the North Texas Arts Festival? They used to have it at the old Cowboy Stadium in the parking lot. Yes, yes. We saw them perform there one time. And their genius marketing scheme was that they had taken sidewalk chalk Uh and drawn chicken feet everywhere. (laughs) No. And it went to the stage and you were like, what the hell are all these chicken feet? And you so inevitably follow the path and end up there at their performance. (laughs) Wow. Oh, God. (laughs) You know, it was right when... Dallas was getting a lot of attention. All the bands here were getting a lot of attention, yeah, including the Toadies. Yeah, yeah. Um, so a lot of record label folks were hanging around, and people considered that like a huge sellout and a complete traitorous um, oh, yeah. injustice that was happening right. to Lynch. So people were pretty vocal and pissed off about it. Mm-hmm. The um, timing is terrible. Yeah, it's really oh. bad. By the time the Dixie Chicks emerged from Sony, the, the Sony rec, uh, recording sessions, yeah. uh, the band that Texans grew to love was totally unrecognizable. The down-home farm girl mm-hmm. shtick uh, was gone, and it was replaced with a really polished makeover, a blonde singer, because uh, Lynch had more brown hair, yeah, and a totally new sound. That was more, you know, Nashville. That was that development phase. Yep. Oh, God. And, you know, the Toadies had to do that. We had to go meet with people and and we took every song apart. It was horrible. Oh, my God. And it was like for a month we sat in a a practice stage that was in um, L.A., yeah. And we had to totally deconstruct every song and put it back together. Now, the way the songs were on Rubberneck, it was just like the way I had played them. Right. We changed so. every single song. And then after we changed them and had to relearn these songs in the way that they wanted us to, they realized that the way that we originally wrote them were better. Oh, so we my went back and had God. to play it. It was what a horrible, what a fucking waste. Yeah, it was just gut wrenching too because you know every day we felt like as songwriters we sucked. Oh. It was hard. It was it was hard. So I can't imagine what they went through because they were going through with a stranger as their singer too. Oh, so it had to yeah. be probably pretty hard. Uh huh. So Lynch doesn't really talk about the ousting from the band because there's a legal agreement in place where she's not really allowed to talk about it and she got lucky because her husband won a giant lottery like 31 million what so she didn't really care that much anyway yeah no kidding she got over that real quick yeah so now she lives out in a ranch close to weatherford and does yeah just whatever hood uh, rat shit out in (laughs) parker county (laughs) (laughs) so um while the nature of lynch's dismissal dismissal was tragic um, I have to admit that I really liked the change. Yeah. I liked Natalie Maines as their singer. Yeah. And I know that probably in Texas is like, Ooh, you're, it's you're like, the sellout. Yeah, you're the sellout. Yeah. Scab, but, scab. But I liked it because it, it gave them a, a pop focus. You like that approach. I like pop music and yeah. I really did not like what they were doing before. You and I have seen them play when yeah. they were doing that that really wholesome oh, cowgirl, yes. kitschy stuff. It felt 
fake and not right. authentic. No, I agree. And Natalie Maines, even though she was propped up by the the record company, it felt more authentic because they stripped down all the costumes yeah. and all the stuff that they were hiding behind and they got to display their musicianship. Yeah. Because they're really good musicians and it made me mad when female musicians have to hide behind some kind of kitsch just like the fringe and shit yes and i just want to see you play the fucking fiddle do it yeah play the mandolin it's beautiful let that be the thing that drives right so i wanted to see them play their instruments they're actually really good musicians Mm -hmm. and i felt like that's what came forward with the change we'll see and then it worked out well a third transformation happened which is a big one as well and we're not even going to talk about all the political bullshit that they had to go through right because i just don't even want to get into that that would be another show but in 2020 the band dropped dixie from their name in an Uh effort to to separate themselves from the the southern uh, confederate yeah problematic confederate imagery right so any one of those changes could have ruined any other band Mm -hmm. because those were pretty big changes you know they got rid of two singers yeah. The first change was they got rid of their lead songwriter, oh. even. And changing your name oh, after God. you made that name, there's a recognition with that name, whether good, bad, and different. You know, a lot of people say that there's no such thing as bad publicity. Well, uh, there kind of was with the Dixie Chicks. Yeah. And I think they're just trying to disconnect from all the bad shit, not just from the Dixie confederate imagery but all the history that happened with that right i feel like they never did say that but i feel like totally cut that shit starting new starting fresh yeah so now they're the chicks Mm -hmm. and um it's amazing to me that they can go through so many transformations and still be doing what they're doing on the level that they're doing it at like it or not it takes balls to traverse all of the territory that they've had to traverse so i know know, no complacency in music because suddenly the record label will tell you to change something or yep. you decide to change something. Yeah. And I can't imagine what they had to go through because I know that they worked really hard to get signed. And I know other bands who've come up against it and you mm-hmm. hear the stories. And when you have that fancy contract in front of you and they're asking you to be true to these people that you've come up with and... Mm-hmm you've been loyal with and have ridden in a van with you and telling you they're the only thing holding you back and they play these mental games with you. (sighs) It's some bands can't do it. Yeah. Some bands can't do it. So I don't. And they're the one, they're your boss basically. Yeah. I do not begrudge them for making changes. Yeah. Although, Oh, it would have to be hard. Yeah. Oh, and I mean, it just, it, has a tendency to seem cutthroat yeah and it's just like yeah that makes it so much harder to because i mean you're a good human being you like your friends and the people that you've been with and then all of a sudden your boss tells you you can't be friends with them anymore they're holding you back we always used to describe being in a band as being married yeah so it's like a marriage that's breaking up so it's not easy no no it's, it's hard, and I just can't imagine what they had to go through. But I think those transformations are pretty incredible. I'm a big fan of theirs. I will I mean, unapologetically... Pick up the flag, stick to your guns. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Ah, oh, we come to the, uh, the time of the that show moment. that we take a breath, <laughs> we sit back, and we enjoy some Lone Star salutes. Ah, yes. Uh, there's nothing I'd change about that kazoo. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's meditative. <laughs> um, and uh, we're going to read some one-star reviews yeah. of... Uh, of music. Music stuff. Yeah. Clubs. Bands. CDs. Recordings. Yeah. Live performances. I'm going to read one. There is a band called Sugar Ray. Oh. And they made a transformation. They used to be metal. Yeah. We yeah. toured with them when they were metal. Oh, really? And the rumor is that when we toured with them, they changed up their sound a little bit. Because... Oh. When they opened for us, we had girls that would come to see us play. So they wanted to do something that would bring more girls into the to the shows. Okay. And not have just a sausage fest <laughs> like like they were having with their bro metal. Yeah, no and, more um, pigs in a blanket. Out and there. so the rumor goes that the toady influence toadies influenced them to change their sound. Wow, that's the rumor. I don't uh, know if it's true. Yeah, um, yeah, but. I'm going to read a review for Floored, which is a record of Sugar Ray. Yeah. And it's by Bish Bash 73. Ooh. Was this album before they transitioned to the poppier? I don't know which album's what. Okay. That's all I think right. Floored is their, is their, their big more hit. poppy okay. stuff. Yeah, probably so. But I could so. be wrong. Oh, that's okay. It's just bad. That's all we know. It's, yeah. I'm just... I, don't listen to their And it's Sugar Ray. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, so here's the review. Okay. You know what's sad? This album <laughs> and its predecessor, <laughs> which were probably influential in that Sugar Ray were way ahead of the new metal curve by having a DJ in their band. Yes, this whole thing was basically cribbed from the mind of Mike Patton. But Sugar Ray via Fly got way more exposure than he ever did. I still own this for some reason. I bust it out occasionally when I want to define the term sellout. <laughs> because as many have pointed out before me, this band completely reinvented themselves for profit after scoring a number one hit with the aforementioned Fly. Mm. So this is, yep, this is the is one. that is the big hit. Yeah. Look for me in the credits. They thank me. Anyway, people don't believe me when I say that Sugar Ray started out as bro metal. Not only a far less interesting one than would be allowed to follow in their wake. That doesn't even make sense. And then he says, God, this shit is terrible. Good closing statement. They just seem like one of those, oh, party bands whenever you sell their video on had, MTV um, and stuff. They had bleach tips to their hair. Oh, yeah. They were super nice guys. Yeah. Super nice guys. I really do like them as people. Um, Mark McGrath was super cool. But, I think I've seen some videos of him like getting all pissed off when <laughs> I think wouldn't they say there were some people in the crowd that would yell out sugar gay. I didn't. And, and then he would just that. start looking for him to try and punch him. They tried to go hard back in their bro metal days. Yeah. Um, but they just didn't. Yeah. They didn't fit the bill, in my opinion. Yeah. But they were fun. To me, they were just like, like a party band. That reminds me of the band uh, that we opened for. Back in our early days, the Goo Goo Dolls, because they used to be metal. Yes. And now they're all this ballady. 
Where they have frosted Crap. tips and whatnot. Yes, exactly. So yep. they're just following that Sugar Ray lineage. Yep. Or as they said, God, this shit is terrible. <laughs> that is, hey, best way to sum it up. <laughs> and I agree. I agree. But uh, the one I've got is not changing the subject. The good old Standing in the Spotlight by D.D. Ramone. Mm. I know. It wasn't hard to find a one star for this album. uh, (laughs) They're pretty prominent. But this one named Logical Frank gave it a one star. And he goes on to say, it is just unfathomable, unfathomable that standing in the spotlight could exist, even as a joke. It is absolutely bewildering that it was made in apparent earnest Didi Ramone lost his mind and decided he wanted to make a rap album, and someone let him do it. Think about that for a second. The end result is so far beyond wretched that it's almost hard to pick out just a few examples to illustrate just how bad the lyrics really are. The drums sound like they came off a preset on a $50 Casio keyboard and a cameo by Debbie Harry, which somehow makes it worse if you can believe that. Oh, man. (laughs) As bad as the rap songs are, they just barely top the non-rap songs, which include the impossibly generic and poorly produced Baby Doll, which he wrote for his wife at that time. I mean, the low rating I'm giving this as something of a compliment, no matter how backhanded. So Whoa. uh, I was just thinking, Debbie Harry had that song Rapture with Blondie. Oh, yes. Where does this fall in on the timeline? Do you know? Let's see. Rapture was when rap was really getting, or it wasn't quite big yet. Because it wasn't that was big really at all. Rock, uh, so it was Rapture like late 70s? Maybe. Cause it could I, be 79. Because she had Fab Five Pretty. 1980. It was on Auto American. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So see, that was way early on. And I bet you that's why she wanted to do some kind of other hip hop stuff. Yeah. Because she was already. So this was nine years toe. later, though. Yeah. But yeah. Because I remember that song coming out and people were like, oh, listen to her. On that song, the Rapture song. And it I was cool. It was different. I know all the words to that song. <laughs> it I was kind of like the time. her way of bringing rap to the masses. I thought it was poorly executed, <laughs> but it was fun. I, I really do think that she heard this and she loved it and she wanted to do something. But right. it's still a white girl trying to rap. Oh, it is. It um, is. Which it's goofy but and shitty loved it. but it was so catchy it was definitely a time where if you'd known about the other rap going on you would have been like good try debbie yep but because yeah. there were what apache and all those other cool things were happening then. oh yes Ooh, oh good shit <laughs> the good the shit good shit yeah that was good what? yeah man we made it it's another happy ending, and another it's a happy, happy ending to the year. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And a happy beginning. A beginning, yes. A happy beginning. Yeah, you got to appreciate the beginning. Happy beginning. Wow. We heard some interesting <laughs> stories. Just uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Transformations are really cool to look at. And, you know, it's easy having 2020 vision when you look behind at career moves and whatnot. Oh, yeah. But, you know, it's really cool when the transformations are like crazy Oh. Off the rails or crazy good. 
Oh, yeah. We got to talk about both. And yeah, uh, we definitely experienced some good and bad transitions yep. from musicians. Yep. Well, one, one thing y'all didn't touch on, I think, when you were talking about the Dixie Chicks that I thought was interesting is that whole last album, the last Chicks album. A lot of those songs were written about Natalie Maines' post-divorce life. Yeah. And that's in and of itself its own huge transformation. Ooh. Yeah. I didn't really want to get into the, the real personal stuff because I think they all I think each of them were going through like relationship stuff there's definitely some songs on there I can relate to unfortunately (laughs) so it got you through no (laughs) I I personally related to the more angry ones so (laughs) the pissed off ones yeah yeah. Yeah, the angrier songs are more my jam (laughs) (laughs) oh man just want to reiterate what we've said before on other uh, Jackalope podcasts yeah all of these stories live out there and have big lives out on the internet. So when we grab little pieces of the story, we can't tell the whole freaking story here because we only have this short amount of time. Yeah. So if any of these things sound interesting to you, go and research them. Yeah. Look them up because there's a lot more to these stories. Oh, yeah. And some of them are just that. They're We've, jackalope tales. That's right. So Please use your good judgment and be kind to each other. Yep. Think accordingly. Right. (laughs) Use your little noggins, people. Yeah. (laughs) And also, thank you for listening. And please follow us on all of the socials, Wet Willies. Yep. And please check out our new YouTube channel. Yeah. Jackalope Reacts. Yeah. We watch videos and give our unbiased opinions. And you can see videos for the pod, too. There's a lot on there. They do need to check it out. So subscribe, rate, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube for our Jackalope Reacts, and then also anywhere else you get your podcasts. And sign our petition to make Willie Nelson's birthday a state holiday. We really need to make this happen. And join us next time as we question, is it real or is it a Jackalope thing? Beautiness. Man. (laughs) We are out. My ear holes are tired. Grease up your ears. Grease out the (laughs) loo.